dear Heavenly Father, you have uh, you have shown your your goodness to us by saying to us, "Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of you." Learn of me, for I am gentle, and you will find rest for your souls. I pray that that could become a reality in our life experience. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Um, I read a very interesting article this week in Discovery Magazine. In, 19, in, in 2021 at the University of Alabama, a uh, medical research team uh, had a unique opportunity. A man had been in a very bad motorcycle accident and he was brain dead, but the hospital had kept him alive with machinery. And uh, the medical researchers asked his wife if she would, uh, if she would per permit that her husband could be part of this important research. And in fact, what they did was they had prepared a kidney that was uh, genetically uh, modified and uh, they put the kidney into um, Jim Parsons. He was 57 years old. And then they waited to see if the kidney worked. The mic seems a little loud to me this morning. Um, and sure enough, for 70 hours, that pig kidney worked in Jim. And they, they, they felt like uh, it was, uh, it, that was enough, and they turned off the machines and they let uh, Jim die. Uh, based on that research, in 2022, at uh, the University of uh, Maryland, uh, another research hospital, there was a man named uh, David Bennett. And David was at the end of a long experience of heart failure, and he had a matter of days to live. And uh, he was um, not healthy enough to be on a transplant list. And so he agreed to an experiment where they put a genetically modified pig heart in him, and it lasted uh, two months. Uh, and then something happened to the heart, and uh, 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 he died. And when they did the autopsy, they found out that it wasn't that uh, his body had rejected the heart. It was that pigs get different viruses than humans. And when they transplanted this heart, it had, uh, it had a, a pig virus in it, and um, 
And that's what led to the failure. Um, but in these great university hospitals, they're doing this research because hundreds of thousands of people die every year because they can't get a transplant. Uh, it's, it's a lot harder than what it seems. And they believe that as much as we may not like what it implies, uh, pig organs are very, very close to our organs. And they believe if they keep working on these gen genetic modifications, there could be a transplant for everyone who needed it. Uh, uh, that's a long way from Porky Pig cartoons and uh, uh, Miss Piggy Muppets. But uh, the idea is uh, compatibility. If they can work on this genetic modifying and make a compatible uh, organ, then there isn't any reason why these organs couldn't save hundreds of thousands of lives a year. Uh, in the Bible, John tells us in his gospel, Christ was thinking about a different kind of transplant. He wasn't thinking about uh, a, a transplant of a human organ. He was thinking about a transplant for the human soul. You see, the human soul has been damaged. The human soul has been diseased. The human soul has been corrupted. The human soul has been broken. And it turns out that we can't fix that ourselves. No matter, no matter how disciplined you think you are, and, 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 no matter, uh, and no matter how much willpower you think you have, uh, it is as foolish to believe that you can fix your soul as to believe that you could do an operation on yourself. Uh, no one would dream of operating on their own kidney. But somehow or another, we create these religious myths that one of these days I'm going to get my act together and I'm going to be able to recreate my soul into what it's really supposed to be. Jesus taught us something very, very different. Jesus said, this cannot be done the way you think it can be done. You have to find a compatible transplant. What your soul needs is greater than what you have the capacity to produce yourself. My soul needs something greater than what I can give it. My soul needs a spiritual transplant. And that spiritual transplant only comes from one place, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus was teaching, and he said, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may, be, that it may bear more fruit. 
already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. This is one of the classic parables of Jesus Christ. Where Jesus lived, there were vineyards all over. It's kind of like northeastern Ohio. There's a lot of vineyards. It's not hard to find a vineyard in northeastern Ohio. All right. People were used to seeing vineyards. And Jesus said, when you look at a vineyard, if you want to understand me, I'm the vine. If you want to understand what I'm doing, look at a vineyard, and what the vine does, that's what I'm doing. And he said, my father is the vine dresser. And he said, all of you who believe in me, you are the vine. You are the branches. So the idea is that Jesus Christ has such a healthy existence that something good flows from him to us, and it recreates who we are. When I'm drawing life from the vine, I'm living a different kind of life than if I'm trying to produce that life for myself. The soul of the elect thrives because of their connection to Jesus Christ. And in the very same way, Christ delights in sharing his life with us. There is no conflict between the vine and the branches. The, the, the branches aren't squeezing stuff out of the vine, and the vine is not reluctantly letting go. They take delight in each other. The life of Christ, he takes delight in allowing it to flow to us. And if we're doing this right, we take delight in drawing life from Jesus Christ. I want to talk this morning about the difference between being productive and being fruitful. This culture has all kinds of stuff to teach you on productivity. You can, get, you can, you can go on, you can go on uh, Amazon books and you can find 20 books on productivity like this. But I'm not talking to you about productivity. See, productivity is limited to what, to what I'm capable in my own ability of thinking, planning, and doing. What is productivity? I know that by myself, I can think, I can plan, and I can do these things. That's productivity. Productivity has a tendency to exhaust our mind and body. Many of you came here today tired, and you're tired because you've been productive all week long. You've been productive all month long. You've been productive for a long time. And, and it draws life and energy out of you. Now, faithfulness, fruitfulness is different than productivity. Fruitfulness is what naturally happens in my daily life when Christ is having his best influence on me. Fruitfulness is the natural flow of my best into my relationships and my work. Fruitfulness energizes. Right, let's look at the difference. Productivity is something that I have to uh, struggle to produce. Fruitfulness is something that naturally happens 
out of the quality of who I am. Productivity is me trying my best. Fruitfulness is me living my best. What just naturally happens when I'm living the best life Christ created me to be. All right, now let's put these two together. We are a serving church. We do all kinds of service projects. We just finished our love week that was awesome. I can't believe everything we got done. Thank every one of you who worked. Now, for some, Love Week was uh, you were being productive. You got in your car, you went somewhere, you did a project, you got in your car, you went home, and you were tired. For others, Love Week was fruitful. Uh, you didn't just get in your car and do a project. You, you had a sense of the divine in your life while you did the project. You had a sense of your relationship to Christ. You had a sense of your desire to make the people you did the project with feel loved. You, you, you had a desire to show something of the, of the grace and the beauty of Jesus Christ. And when you went home... You didn't go home tired from being productive. You went home with a deep sense of equilibrium, of balance, of well-being, because you had spent time where the life of Christ flowed through you in a beautiful and uh, helpful way. Are we seeing the differences? Uh, productivity is when you're disciplining yourself to do something. Fruitfulness is when the best of what Christ has done in you is just naturally expressing itself in your home, in your workplace, and in your relationships. And listen, Christ doesn't call us to be productive. He calls us to be fruitful. Christ is not interested in what work he can drag out of you. He's interested in what the two of you might do together when you, are, um, when you are receiving the riches of his personhood and, he, and it's flowing through you in a natural way to the world around you. This is interesting. The vine dresser inspects the branches. He never inspects the vine. In this passage, it says that the vine dresser uh, looks at the branches and he sees which branches are fruitful and which branches aren't fruitful. Christ doesn't need inspected. If there's a problem, it's us. Can, can we agree with that? Uh, uh, Christ is the vine. He's getting his part done. If there's a breakdown in fruitfulness, it's in the branches, not in the vine. And Jesus said, uh, when, the, when the Father inspects the branches, he notes first the ones who uh, don't have any fruit on them. Uh, 
the first thing he does is say, where is the vine burning energy to support a branch that's not doesn't have any blossoms or or uh, 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 grapes on it? Uh, uh, this is the idea, church, that we don't ever break even. We are either we are either uh, being fruitful or we're wasting God's time. Can you hear this? We, we are a fruitful branch or the reason the vine dresser planted the vineyard and the reason he spends so much time taking care of it, either we're being fruitful or the vine dresser's purpose is not being accomplished. This is not a neutral thing. Do you understand that? When you look at your life, there is no neutral. There is productivity or you're wasting God's good purpose. You, you, the vineyard isn't doing what he, he planted the vineyard to do. After he takes away the branches that aren't fruitful, then he looks at the vineyard again. And now he looks at the vineyard in a different way. He wants to see where the branches are fruitful. Because ironic and ironically enough, uh, I read about this this week, uh, it is not unusual for people to keep, who keep vineyards to cut away some fruit. If you're going to have the best fruit, you've got to let some of the average go. Can you hear this? The best fruit has to get the riches of the vine. And if you're willing to prune the branches and even let go of some of the inferior stuff, you're going to produce a superior grape. And that's what this pruning is. The first part is easy. If you're not productive, it's easy to say you're wasting the energy. All right. The second part, you got to let go of the merely good to have the best. And now this is where we should feel a little edginess in our lives. See, sometimes the vine says to us, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with what you're doing at all. It's just not your best life. Are you willing to let go of that to have your very best? Church? Are you willing to let go of what is merely good so that you can have the best that God has dreamed and envisioned for you. What might that look like? I don't know about you, but I have a morning routine. I, I want to get out of bed. I want to do certain things. And, and then I, before I go to work, uh, when I get to work, I have a work schedule. From time to time, I sense uh, the Lord say to me, uh, uh, we're going to do this a little bit different today. I want your prayer time to be a little longer today. And deeply spiritual man that I am, I say, hey God, I got a schedule. I got stuff I got to get done. And the Lord says, well, maybe we can prune that schedule a little bit. So when you do go about your work, you can be doing your best, not your mediocre. And 
And in those moments, we make decisions that profoundly affect our Christian life. Church? Uh, the Holy Spirit says, uh, don't you think you've held that resentment long enough? I want to prune that out of your life. It's keeping you from being my very best. Church? Uh, from time to time, he shows up and says, um, that attitude is counterproductive. Not, I'm not saying it's sin. I'm just saying it's counterproductive. And I want to prune that out of your life so you can be your very best. Can you hear me, church? The Lord is an absolute genius at coming to us in the parts of our lives even maybe where we're being fruitful, and he says, it can be better than this. It can be better than this. Are you willing to let go of this that is merely mediocre and let my spirit develop in you what is truly beautiful and blessed and glorious and good? Are you sacrificing your highest fruitfulness because you're living in the realm of productivity? You have effort, but you never have spiritual flow. Some of you know what it's like to have spiritual flow. You just have a sense of the divine. You have, a, you have an awareness of God. You're, you're walking in the light as he is in the light. You're having fellowship with each other. There's something rich and beautiful about your life. There is spiritual flow. And that's exactly what uh, uh, Jesus is talking about here. When, when, the, when I will yield myself to the cleansing work of God, I begin to live a spiritual life that has flow, and it's just not all gritting my teeth and, and, and uh, white-knuckling it and, and, and try to struggle my way through another day. There's spiritual flow. The life of God feels real. Uh, you can sense his presence. You, you see him actively uh, working in your life. That is part of what happens when we permit this wonderful work of, of, of Christ in, in, in pruning the branches. And then Jesus said, this is how I clean you. This is how I prune you. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. You see, Christ teaches us a better way of thinking. If I let go of some of the imagery of vine and branches, and I just try to make it a little more psychological, here's what it is. I'm supposed to be drawing from the great thinking of Jesus Christ. And then those great thoughts of Jesus Christ, they start influencing how I think. And when thoughts of Jesus Christ influence how I think, those thoughts begin to change my behavior. Do you see? I change my thinking first, and my behavior follows. If I don't change my thinking, my behavior will never be consistent. Do you see this? Now you are clean 
by the words that I have spoken to you. The way that we get our lives pruned is the thoughts and the teachings of Jesus Christ become more powerful to us and they begin to influence the way we think, the way we choose, and the way we act. The Holy Spirit also, Jesus said, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all the truth. He will take the things that are mind and remind you of them. The second way that the Lord prunes me is, in my day-to-day life, while we're, just dry, while we're just doing our normal life, the Holy Spirit shows up and whispers to us. If you will be aware, the Holy Spirit whispers to you. When, uh, when I'm uh, allowing uh, 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 driving to make me unchristian, uh, the Holy Spirit shows up to me and goes, hey, dude, really? This is, this is the guy you want to be. That's the guy you want to be, huh? See, that is the Holy Spirit reminding me that Christ says there's something way better than this. Uh, uh, I uh, quoted to myself just yesterday, uh, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn your left. And I said, if you strike me on my right fender, I'll turn my left. <laughs> I was trying to say anything to keep myself from being a jerk. Uh, um, Christ teaches us. The Holy Spirit whispers to us. Now I've, got, I've drawn on the vine. I've drawn life thinking from the vine. And now that has to start working its way into my life and I, gotta, I have to respond to it. I have to do what the teaching tells me to do. It isn't enough to think the thought of Christ. I gotta obey what he teaches me, right? Then Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The problem is we don't believe that enough. We think, ah, I can hang around with Christ on Sunday and then I can kind of coast the rest of the week. Not going to happen, class. Not going to happen. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered up, thrown into the fire and burned. The only way for the branch to be fruitful is to remain in the vine. The only way for my life to have this flow, this spiritual flow, is for me to remain connected to Jesus Christ in a day-to-day, hour-to-hour way, church. The best life happens when the qualities of Christ flow through your character and make you better in everything you do. Are you hearing me? The best life happens when the riches of Christ flow through me and make me better. What does that look like? All right, let's just, let's take the, let's pick the, the, let's take the easy fruit. The Bible teaches us very plainly that Jesus is merciful. 
It is a quality that he delights in. Mercy is God's answer to man's misery. When I know that, and it becomes part of my thinking, then I'm living out my daily life, and I see someone who uh, is in a very difficult place, and they're, they're sensing real misery. Uh, it may be their own fault. It doesn't matter. Uh, when, the, when the mercy of Christ affects my thinking, it changes how I'm going to treat the person who's in misery. I'm going to want to be merciful to them because the mercy of Christ is flowing naturally through me. It's going to be a natural response to help the miserable one because that's who Christ is and that's what he does. We love to talk about grace in this church, treating people better than what they deserve. As you go throughout your week, you're going to have hundreds of opportunities to treat people better than what they deserve. You're going to have hundreds of opportunities every single day. Sometimes you're going to have to try to treat yourself better than what you deserve. But when I am drawing on the vine, and there's something of the reality of the grace of Jesus Christ that I'm aware of, in that moment when I should treat somebody better than what they deserve, the flow of the life of Christ will be real within me, and I will find myself being gracious without even having to struggle or, 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 or wrestle with it. It's the life of Christ flowing from the vine into the branches. Jesus is kind. He is incredibly kind. Kindness, patience, forgiveness. You're going to have hundreds of opportunities to forgive people next week. If the life of Christ is flowing through you, that forgiveness will be natural. If the life of Christ isn't flowing through you, then you're going to put uh, you're going to put qualifications on. I will forgive you if. I will forgive you when. That's not the forgiveness that Christ shares with us. Hope, the expectation that God is going to do something good in my life. That is the life of Christ flowing. How about this one? We don't talk about it enough, but I'm going to try to talk about it more. Uh, do you know reasonableness is a Christian virtue? To be unreasonable is to be unchristian. Uh, some of you need to read some of the past things you've written online and ask yourself, is that reasonable? Do reasonable people talk that way? See, when the life of Christ is flowing through me, Ah, uh, my ego doesn't need to prove that it's right about everything. I can be reasonable with people. I can say I don't have to agree with you, and I can still be reasonable. I don't have to agree with you, and, and, and I can still be kind to you. I, I don't have to agree with you, and I can still be uh, gracious and merciful and patient. Do you see what I'm saying? When I take the metaphor out, and I try to just deal with the raw psychology of living day to day, when I'm drawing from Christ what I need, it has a tendency to flow through me in natural and not contrived ways. I find myself being merciful. I find myself being gracious. I catch myself being patient. I, I, 
I'm quick to forgive. Uh, I have a, I have a, uh, I have a equilibrium within me that makes me reasonable, and I'm not gritting my teeth to do it all. Are you, are you following this? Without these qualities of Christ enriching and empowering us, we are left with nothing more than being producers. If this connection in Christ isn't working in you, you'll never be fruitful. You'll always be reduced to being a producer. I want to remind you that Jesus said, apart from Christ, your life withers. The withered life is the exhausted life you're feeling probably right now because you're under the constant demand to produce, 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 produce. Uh, church, uh, Christ is not looking for producers. He's looking for fruitful people. Your life will be easier when you learn that what you need, you draw from the vine, you do not produce yourself. And when you're drawing it from the vine, you're just, you're thinking better, you're treating people better around you, and better stuff happens around you. Then Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. All right. This is for you who are going to journal. This is for you who uh, are not going to write recipes and telephone numbers in your uh, Christ Church journals. I want to give you five steps. This these would be good to write in the front of your journal. The first step, make a daily connection with Jesus Christ. Step one, I don't know what your daily rhythm is, but I'm telling you right now, you need to make it part of your daily rhythm to have some God time. You got to have some time where you read the Bible and think his thoughts, and you got to have some time where you let him speak to you and uh, you speak back to him in, uh, in prayer. You got to have, you got to be thinking God's thoughts or none of this works, church. That's step one. Step two, learn what Christ taught, take a piece of it, and think about it through the whole day. In my life group, we call it our takeaway. What is our takeaway? We do, a, we do a group study. We're studying through the book of Genesis. And we say to ourselves, what is our takeaway? So we try to have one idea that we found from the Bible that we're going to take with us throughout the day. See, I want to be able to think about this idea when I'm driving in a car. I want to think about this idea when I'm standing in line and starting to get impatient. I want to have this good thought in my, of God in my head and I want to carry it around. I want it, to, I want it to touch me throughout the day. You see? That way the good idea doesn't get lost because I found it in the morning, but two hours later I've been so busy, I can carry the idea with me. All right, step three. Pray to Christ about your life challenges and his teachings. This is easy. I know I am not pleasing to God in the realm of patience. I know I have to be more patient. I know I could be a better man if I was more patient. I know my life would be happier if I was more patient. I know I'd be more pleasing to God if I was more patient. 
So I try to find a teaching on patience. And then I try to talk to God about it, that teaching on patience again and again and again. Uh, 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 here's, here's one of the patience verses. Uh, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Uh, uh, Sarah and I talked about that on our last podcast. Okay, that is a verse that I say to myself again and again and again and again. And I talked to Christ about it. I said, the problem isn't on your side. You will give me the peace. The problem is on my side and my head is not in the right place. Do you see? It becomes a dialogue between the vine and the branches. The vine is giving me the good idea. The, the branch is saying, I've got the good idea, but I need help doing it. Uh, I want to be fruitful. I want spiritual flow to happen in my life. And patience interrupts, in, in being impatient interrupts that. I want you to prune out of my life whatever you have to prune out of my life. So the spirit of, uh, of, the, uh, of Christ can have a natural flow in my life. Four. Realign your desires with Christ's power to make you fruitful. Here's something we all have to admit. Our right desires fluctuate. When I'm in church like this and I'm talking about this, this makes perfect sense and I just want to do it every single day. But Monday, I'm going to have challenges in front of me. Monday, I, I, I'm going to have uh, Monday. I, I'm going to have uh, Mr. Ugly speaking in the back of my head. Uh, Monday, uh, I'm going to want to say, uh, I'm, I'm giving myself a day off. I'll, I'll get spiritual again tomorrow. Anybody ever done that? Uh, uh, I'll try harder tomorrow. I'm just giving myself today off. Uh, Church, Billy Graham isn't your pastor. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, look, look. I want to make it part of my relationship to God to realign and realign and realign. I want to continually realign my thinking with his instruction. I want to continually realign my desire with his desire. And where I know my desire isn't his desire, I, that's where I want to say, dear God, please, please, help me to realign with you today so that the desire of my heart is a mirror of the desire of your heart. That's where spiritual flow happens. We want the very same thing that God wants. Five. Raise your self-expectations of fruitfulness. Raise your self-expectation for fruitfulness. You got to expect more of yourself. Church. Keep track. Do you expect yourself to be merciful every day next week? Or you're going to be merciful on the days that it's easy to be merciful and the days where people need a good ugliness, you're going to church? 
I want to raise my expectations. I want to say, I expect myself to be merciful every day. I expect myself to be gracious every day. I'm not taking any more days off on kindness. I'm not making any more sorry, sissy excuses for being impatient. I want to raise my expectation. Because listen, that's what fruitfulness is. The one who owns the vineyard has an expectation that we're going to produce more and better fruit, more and better fruit, more and better fruit. That's his expectation. And he has every right to expect that. And what I want to do is I want to draw from the vine. If that's his expectation, then darn it, it's going to be my expectation. If that's what his hope is, it's going to be my hope. If that's what his ambition is, it's going to be my ambition. Because that's spiritual flow. Who I am is a, is a product of what I am receiving from the vine. Not just part of who I am, but everything of who I am. My all in all is coming from the vine. I don't have any other source of life. My thoughts are all from the vine. My desires are from the vine. My ambitions are from the vine. And when that happens, we begin to live in the realm of spiritual flow. And the reality of God becomes more and more profound within us and around us. Our dear Heavenly Father, oh, how I pray for a soul transplantation. I pray that the soul of Jesus Christ can be transplanted within us. And we could come to the point that we could say like Paul, for me to live is Christ. Christ has been so transplanted in my soul that I sense for me to live is Christ. Father, I pray that your, your spirit would do the work in us that only you can do. And, I, and then I pray that you would receive the power, the honor, and the glory, and the majesty, both now and forever. Amen.